0: Welcome back to Merendiando, part of Radio Aluna Theater. In celebration of Aluna Theater and Modern Times' production of The House of Bernarda Alba, this episode is an inside look at Spanish poet, playwright, and theater director Federico García Lorca's life and work.
1: In today's episode, we chat with dear friend to Aluna and self-confessed total Lorca nerd, Polly McDermott.
0: Polly has been a member of Aluna Theatre's board of directors since 2014. You may know them as their drag alter ego, Filomena Flinflon, schoolteacher by day, cabaret artiste by night. Polly is also the author of Love, Desire, and Identity in the Theatre of Federico Garcia Lorca. We
1: chat with Polly about everything Lorca about his private and public life, about his major plays and the impact he's left on drama lovers
2: everywhere.
3: Let's get started. Hola, Pauli. We're so excited to have you here.
2: Hola. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm beyond excited to be here. (laughs) What a thrill it is at any time to talk about Lorca.
3: (laughs) We want to know, how did it begin? When did you first encounter Lorca's work and what drew you to keep getting that knowledge from from him
2: okay Uh, two things one um, a bookshop in Glasgow where I grew up Um, I was browsing as you do uh, when you're a teenager and particularly a little queer teenager who you know is kind of uh, hiding from the world (laughs) and uh, so I was in a bookshop browsing and on a shelf I saw a book that had been placed, rather than with the spine facing, it had been placed with the 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 what do you call it? The front uh, facing out, and on it was a photograph um, and a picture of this man who whose eyes just stopped me in my tracks. I just could not believe his eyes. Mm. <laughs> they just they just fixed me to the spot. And um, it was a book of um letters written by Lorca, and um, they'd just been recently translated uh, into English. And um, on the 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 photo I found out later was one of many that had been taken of him living in in his childhood home, um, the family home, sorry, in Granada. Uh, He was sitting on a on a sofa, uh, dressed quite formally, you know, in the very nineteen twenties, with his his uh, pajarita, little dickey and And, uh, it just it just captivated me, you know. I just I kind of fell in love. Uh, picked up the book there and then, and illicitly in the bookstore started reading all these letters and it was just so alive. I could just access this man who had lived so long ago, through the words on the page, just jumped up and took me and seduced me. So yeah, yeah, that was my first encounter. And around the same time, an English teacher in school um, took us on a school trip to see a play. I didn't know anything about it, but it turned out to be one of Lorca's plays. One uh, of the big ones. Oh, which one? Uh, Yerma. Um, oh, thanks. Nice. Uh, done by and an amazing production by a Spanish woman who taught at the university there. Um, and she was an actor as well. And she played Yerma. And it was just overwhelmingly powerful. I was just floored by the production and by what happened, and particularly by the climax, where Yerma, who all the way through the play had been wearing a rosary around her neck. And that I hadn't paid attention to. And at the very end, the critical point, giving away the ending here. Spoilers. Yerma <laughs> circled around Juan, who's trying who's been trying to seduce her. But she she gets up and circles around him and then in one movement whips off the rosary, throws it over his neck, and pulls it tightly until she chokes him to death.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Symbolism. Oh my
2: gosh. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's such an interesting way to um to meet him like there's the person and then there's his writing right and mm-hmm. they feed each other mm-hmm. so much and speaking about his writing uh Lorca wrote a trilogy of plays called the three tragedies i think you just mentioned one but um since you since that moment when you met him in the bookshop have done much more studying and diving in depth into his work we wanted to ask you what are those three tragedies and uh what was his life like when he wrote
2: them yeah Wow, a lot, a lot to say there. But first of all, the three tragedies. So <laughs> I'll keep it short. So um, the the phrase trilogy actually comes as, as a lo- word that you Lorca used himself in an interview he gave in nineteen thirty three. Um, he said, and it's a quote. He says, ah. "Bodas de Sangre is la primera parte de una trilogía dramática de la tierra española." Ah. So he called, you know, Bothers de Sangre" a blood wedding, the first part of this trilogy of the Spanish earth. Mm. Um, and that was written in 1932. That was the first. He goes on in the interview to say the, mention the second, and that's the one I just talked about, Yerma, about a woman who's barren or childless. And he completed that in thir- 1934. And in the interview, he talks about a third play in the trilogy that um, he called La Destrucción de Sodoma, so the destruction of Sodom. Um, or where he, and elsewhere, he referred to that play as like, Hijas de Lot, Lot's Daughters. Um, But um, there's no existing copy of a play with that title among Lorca's works, so critics have since considered La Casa de Bernarda Alba or The House of Bernarda Alba as the third, and that was completed in June 1936, just two months before Lorca was murdered. So it was the last full play that he wrote, he was working on other ones, but it's the last full one he wrote, and that's the third one in the trilogy. Um, on that setting of the, the Tierra Española, so um, sometimes it's called the Rural Trilogy because of that, um, but we don't actually know completely for Seren if, if Lorca intended those three to be seen as the, the trilogy, but probably.
0: That's interesting because you said um, the title that he said was Lot's Daughters and the Casa de Bernarda Alba is all about these daughters, this family, these uh, women in this house for folks who don't know. So that's super interesting. Wow,
2: it probably, maybe it became, you know, um, Las Hijas developed into, who knows. (laughs) Um, But his life around that time, I mean, you have to remember these years, so the early 1930s, let's say from you know 1932 when he wrote Blood Wedding, to 36 when he wrote uh, The House of Bernardo Alba. Those were really pivotal years in the history of Spain. Um the the a dictatorship uh, in the 1920s, the dictatorship of Primo de Rivera had ended in 1930. Uh, following that the king left Spain, sort of abdicated and left and this in the Second Spanish Republic was proclaimed. Um a left-wing government was elected in 1931. And uh all of that backdrop is really important and what's going on for Lorca at the time of course the for Lorca personally in those years so he was well that's from when he was 34 to 38 when he died um it saw him those years saw him come into much greater personal autonomy he was no longer financially dependent on his fairly wealthy parents mm. and that's thanks to a large income from his work and um, mainly the, the huge success of blood wedding both in Spain and particularly in Argentina.
0: Oh, right. There's um, such an interesting connection between Argentina yeah. and Spain. I, yeah, I want to know more.
2: Yeah, well, a big part of it was um, two of the the two women who Lorca worked with on many of his plays. So they had their own theatre companies. They were actors and so they took the leads and they, and they were looking for great plays and Lorca had them. Um, one of them was an Argentinian woman with Spanish parents, uh, Lola Membrives and it was her company that staged uh, Blood Wedding in uh, Buenos okay. Aires and Lorca went there for that run of the play. A um, huge success, I mean a huge box office success, so it pulled in loads of money and Lorca had a, a cut of the box office, a, a percentage, so you know, for the first time he was making a load of money himself from his writing. So he was getting um, sort of financial success, but also critical acclaim for his theatre work. He was, I think at this time, he was now beginning to definitely be recognised as at least one of the greatest living Spanish playwrights at the time. But in addition to all of that, on the theatre front, the other important thing that was going on for Lorca was that because of the election of the left-wing government in 1931, um, and his connections with that government, figures in the government, he got funding to set up a student theatre troupe or company called La Barraca, mm. and their task, their job, was to set out uh, to travel around Spain, particularly small places in Spain, small towns, villages where there were no theatres, and set up in, you know, the t- town square and stage some, some of the classic Spanish theatre works from Spain's golden age, you know, uh, around, you know, the, the, the sort of 17th century works. So works by people like Lope de Vega, Calderón de la Barca, Cervantes, his Entremeses, those those work sort of works. Um, and for free. Mm. And for people who who maybe had never been to theater before, or probably had never been to a theater before. So that was a real passion work for him, and he was involved in that for you know between 32 up to about 35 1935 uh but i mean he did take time out of that work to promote his own including the tour in argentina i mentioned as well that was in the end of 33 wow. you know,
0: i wonder how that might have influenced like what he wrote after that being like encountering all of those people and and like you said it's sometimes like a, the, the land the spanish land and then he goes and travels around and does it that's so cool i really didn't yeah. know that it's so cool
2: yeah 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 And think of plays like you know Fuente Obijuna, you know which is about a peasant rebellion kind of thing like so so the 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 politics of that play versus is resonant at this time in Spanish history and think of the there's growing growing polarization politically in the country and those tensions Lorca could see in relation to his work so when for example Yerma was first performed at the very end of 1934 in Madrid there were in the audience there were groups of young men who were probably fascists you know members of the the Falange Española um uh, who um got up and shouted and sh- screamed insults at mm. Lorca and the lead actor uh and um, including homophobic right. ones um, and shouted these out in public so they raised a big sort of scandal in the theater on the opening night and the response in the press was, well, the liberal and left-wing press, you know, they really loved Yerma, um, but, of course, the right-wing press hated it, absolutely mm. hated it. And you can imagine why. Um, the, I mean, for them, I mean, the Yerma was a play about the directly, chal- you know, it was, sorry, a depiction of a woman killing the husband who could not father the child that she obsessively desired. <laughs> that that offended their their nationality scandalous
3: yeah 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 (laughs)
2: yeah yeah. and and above all their machismo so it really really upset them (laughs)
3: wow what was Lorca's word like when La Casa de Bernarda Alba was produced for the first time was he did he was able to see it or
2: no no unfortunately not no it was because he just finished it um really just finished it in June 1936 and he was murdered in August 1936 mm. Um so he never saw it it was it was and it wasn't produced in fact um, in Spain it was produced in Buenos Aires because of course you know the other side won the Spanish civil war the the fascists and or nationalists they called themselves under Franco so you know his his work wasn't produced and his murder of course was hush hush you know in Spain under under the dictatorship there. So it was 1945 was the first production of the House of Barmela Alba. Yeah, never got to see it. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned in your 2015 Aluna blog, mm-hmm. um, because you have been working with the company for so many years, yeah. and we're so <laughs> happy and grateful for that. Um, you mentioned in that blog that there are many Lorcas like there's lots of different sides to Lorca many ways to access interesting things that he's offered like through his work in his life so we were wondering um can you tell us about some of the Lorcas that you think folks in uh, toronto might be interested in hearing about given that they're about to get a fresh new production of one of his plays
2: um first of all that sort of phrase many Lorcas" it's not my own phrase and um, it's a reflection i think of a very wide critical consensus um that we can't really talk or talk about Lorca singular but instead really as many Lorcas as there are those who know his work. He's one of those artists where you can't possibly separate his work from his life. His work has resonance far beyond the time and place he lived in. Mm-hmm. So as such it's not just who is Lorca but where, when and for whom is Lorca. Mm-hmm. You could focus on his life story or you could focus on his literary work and there you've got at least two Lorcas and, and the translator of the, the uh, version that, that Aluna is using uh, David Johnston, uh, he points this out. There is at least at least two Lorcas. Um, and, but many others, and I agree with them. They say that there are multiple ones, and and that could be about you know the different styles that he embraced in his work, from the you know quite traditional even folkloric ones, so the costumbrismo you can see elements of, but also the modernist ones um, and are there in his in his theatre, and his poetry, expressionism and surrealism. With its psychoanalytic influences,
0: definitely, yeah,
2: and and then political elements too. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess you need to ask. I mean, how did how do you come to Lorca? What is it you've read by him? Which you know is or even his plays. Is it the 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 sort of big impact trilogy, or is it the experimental ones? Is it the comedy farces or the puppet plays? And you can see sometimes you know quite a bit of puppetry influences in in in, 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 in his other plays that are not strictly puppet ones. Whoa yeah so um but maybe you know it's something else that Lorca first drew you and maybe it was his drawings he was a really impressive visual artist maybe it was his music he was a great pianist he worked closely with the composer and friend and a friend and mentor of his Manuel de Falla is it the Lorca maybe you've you've you, you know popularized through music and song you know do you have you heard kind of like flamenco versions of his poems or or is it you know like, like somebody like me are you you know an academic type and have you have you analysed Lorca's death, <laughs> a second death? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what is it that grabs you about Lorca? Is it the tragedy of his life story? or Is it the joy? Uh, is it the you know the stories of his many love affairs um, and the romance of that? Um, or is it the story of his death and what it represents? You know, for some he was a martyr to the Republic, the Spanish Republic, um, and the Republican cause that lost, or mm-hmm. or a queer martyr who was killed for being mm-hmm. visibly queer. And the Machista culture that he lived in, and has become a symbol of the many, maybe up to two hundred thousand Spaniards who were murdered and dumped in unmarked graves during and after the Civil War. I mean, I could go on, but I think you get the idea. Uh, so you also asked about, sorry about, what, what what does Lorca say to us now? I mean, if, if anything, well, yeah. Well, again, I mean, there's definitely a Lorca for everyone, every time, every place, and this drama this one that uh, the house of bernardo alba of course encompasses a lot of pol- social and political themes and and they can be positioned in relationship to i think any point in time and space so they're going to find resonance with audiences everywhere every when mm. i think you know one of the standout things uh, themes is of course freedom versus oppression Mm -hmm. And I know all of us, having lived through the past couple of years of lockdowns, (laughs) have have another experience now to give us a little bit of insight into what it's like to live with our freedoms a little bit curtailed or limited. Mm -hmm. And certainly Bernarda, you know, incarnates a certain sort of tyranny and illiberalism Mm -hmm. that we also see in our world around us today whether it's in the U.S. or in in Brazil or in Hungary or Philippines or many other places where there are, you know, dictatorial rules or illiberal rules, rulers, rather, sorry. And then against all of that, you know, um, you've got figures like in the play Adela, the young Adela, the youngest of Bernardo's daughters, who um, gives us hope as... She's a rebel. She's mm-hmm. a revolutionary. She stands for progress. Adelantarse, um, to move forward. Mm-hmm. And and breaking down the walls of the house that imprison us as much as her. She fights for truth in a post-truth age, the age that we live in. Um, <laughs> she fights for women's agency in the face of many disconfirming social forces that deny her will. Um, Bernardo's tyrannical regime depends like any... Sort of right-wing f- sort of fascist regime that depends on fantasy for its legitimacy. It, it opposes truth in reality. Mm-hmm. Everything's about appearances with Bernarda. It's about maintaining. She called it the, the fachada, the facade. and Those outer walls of the house must be maintained in white. The purity, decency, honor. Um, and her regime, of course, has its uh, has its kind of. Police forces, you know, maybe this is pushing it too far, but you've got you've got, of course, her main servant, Pontia, you know, who's 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 on who's a kind of a surveillance really for what's going on in the house. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> um I love the way you talk about Lorca and the, and the many quote unquote Lorcas, because it is so beautiful to to hear you speak like that and as people that we're artists is like how amazing is that you still get celebrated and how one work can represent many things for many people that's I think that's like the pinnacle of art and we've been asking you a lot of questions about Lorca but we want to ask if you could ask a question to Lorca ah what would
2: you ask well (laughs) um oh my god where would I begin where would I begin if I could you know (laughs) I've thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, people think, you know, the fantasy of time travel, you know, I mean, if there's one point in time out of all history, I would definitely choose to be in Granada and uh, maybe in, you know, the late 1920s or early 1930s to, I'd love to try, you know, to have met him. But um, I guess, I guess the one thing I'd really want to know is I, I don't want to ask him how have you known love? That's, That's so
0: poetic, it's beautiful. And
2: it's because, it's you know, if you, you, whatever you've read by Lorca or seen by Lorca, or any of the work that you know, I mean, love is driving it. Um, and often, you know, and I say that as a queer person as well, And Lorca being a queer person, I know that, you know, love is situated in a particular way for queer people. Um, you know, at many points in queer history, love is, for queer people has been impossible. And, and Lorca certainly knows the impossibility of, of love and his work we see it time and time again um, we see it as a kind of a love that's frust- been frustrated by social forces and, you know what queer doesn't understand that love denied um, but it's, it, it's above all it's you know I think of I think also of the pain of love that love denied that's been made impossible by social forces. Um, and for me, it, it reminds me of, um, I was lucky to spend some time in Granada, um, my early thirties. And um, I visited, you know, of course, Lorca's various childhood homes. Uh, one of them is in the city. Um, it's called La Huerta de San Vicente. And uh, you can find in Lorca's bedroom, above his bed, there's uh, an icon, you know, like a, a Catholic icon of the mm-hmm. of the Christ of the Sacred Heart. And you think of that image, you know, of the heart and it's usually like the heart been pierced by daggers and that's what it looked like, this one here. And I think, of course, the Lorca's full name, he was baptized Federico del Sagrado Corazón de Jesús. <clears throat> and that that pierced heart of Christ kind of like is is, you know, an icon of how love is both, you know, is a, there's an exquisite pain and suffering that's yeah. attached to love. Yeah. Um And the bigger you love, the bigger the pain, <laughs> the yeah. bigger the suffering. And and I guess part of me, you know, worries that <laughs> Lorca didn't know love without without pain and without suffering. And so. I'd want to know, you know, how, how have you known love, you know, and maybe if you can reassure me that he did know love.
3: (laughs) Uh, I love that. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that.
0: Thank you so much for being on this podcast and sharing all of this incredible nuanced knowledge with us. This is such a gift for, for all of us who are going to go see it. This is like the perfect little introduction into the world. So thank you so much, Polly. And um, we'll see you at the theater, right? We'll see you there.
1: The House of Bernarda Alba by Federico Garcia Lorca is on stage from April 6th to the 24th at Buddies and Bad Times Theater. Directed by Sohail Parsa and starring Beatriz Pisano
0: as Bernarda. The theater will have a seating capacity of less than 50%, ranging from 40 to 80 available seats per performance. So you can choose which performance is best for you. Links for more information and to purchase tickets will be in the show notes. We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Igan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dagarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabek Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase.
1: Araluna. We remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial.
0: Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank.
1: Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shelness. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheater.ca. follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.